Hey everyone, it's your boy Johnny Clutch. Talk about the latest sports news and giving hot takes on the sports that I love. A lot going on in the NBA this week, most notably Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki officially retiring. Both players that had amazing careers. Both had great send-offs as well. Both obviously played well in their last games. Uh, I think both of them in their last home game had about had exactly actually 30 points. Uh, Dirk had 20 and 10 in his last game, and uh, Wade had a triple-double against the Nets in his last game. Great send-offs, like I said. Dirk in his last home game had five of his idols in the court. Mark Cuban set it all up, and Dirk even said during it, he said he'd like to see what Cuban has set for his jersey retirement because he set the bar so high. And obviously you also have Wade who jumped, well, tried to jump on the scores table and talk to the Miami Heat fans. He ended up just, uh, you know, kind of walking up there after that. It was kind of funny. He even said it was tragic. But anyways, it's it was one of the many examples why you love sports so much. Does it just see moments like that? And also pretty fitting that they ended their careers during the same season. They played each other in the finals twice. It probably has to be a record for, especially them being on the opposite conferences for their entire careers, about how many times they played against each other. I'm not sure if there's an actual stat for that, but they probably played each other the most for interconference you know, players of all time. It's some stat like that, because you obviously had them playing against each other in the finals twice, both of them winning against each other. The NBA is going to be very different without those guys. You know, Dirk playing 21 seasons with the same team. Wade played most of his career with the Heat. I know uh, he played that one season in Chicago, but he's really a Miami Heat guy through and through. Two guys that played for really one team throughout. It, it, really, in today's NBA, you don't see that that much with you know guys changing teams every single year. Probably the only guy to have to say that can do something like Dirk and Wade did playing that many seasons for one team is probably Steph Curry. The only question on whether he can do it is if his ankles can hold up so to have the longevity like those guys did. I know Giannis keeps saying that he wants to stay in Milwaukee his whole career. Maybe he's someone that can do it, but we'll see what happens when he hits free agency. But, you know, look, the NBA is just changing. Two of the best players in the league, LeBron James and Kevin Durant, changed teams. LeBron changed teams twice. Kevin Durant changed teams once, and there's a good chance he changes again this offseason. So now with the NBA season officially coming to an end, I'd like to hand out my Johnny Clutch Awards. Uh, first off, I'm going to start with my own rewards that I made up. Then I'm going to go to the real actual NBA awards like MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and all that. So I'm going to start off my awards with biggest overachiever of the season, which was the L.A. Clippers. Vegas had the Clippers over under to begin the season, their, win lo- their wins at 33 and they ended up exceeding that number by 15 and going 48-34 and 34 in the regular season and getting the eighth seed in the West. And it wasn't just Vegas. There was a lot of doubters. Heck, before the season, Patrick Beverly said they were the best team in L.A. Everyone laughed at him, and I think they're the ones laughing now. Speaking of that other team in L.A., the L.A. Lakers, the L.A. Lakers get my award for biggest underachiever of the season. Obviously, the roster didn't mesh, mesh, ah, mesh well with LeBron, excuse me. And the organization right now is a huge mess. We'll get more into that later. People before the season had them at least making the playoffs. They figured with LeBron coming to them that they would at least get that far, me included. There were people saying that they would even make it to the Western Conference Finals. I never really went that far. I thought they would get knocked out in the first or second round. But as the season wore on, it was just obvious this just wasn't a playoff team. They also had injuries too and things like that. 
Obviously, with LeBron missing tons of games, probably about a fourth of the season, I would say. It probably could even be more than that. But even with that said, they weren't really a great team with him on the court either. My most surprising player goes to Luka Doncic. Now, I, with him, when he came out, I knew he was going to be a good player. I, but I just did not see this rise coming so immediately for him. We'll get more into that later, as I'll explain how great his rookie season was. A little hint, hint on who I'm going to name my Rookie of the Year later on in this podcast. But obviously a great year. I just didn't see him being this good right away. Most disappointing player of the season, uh, I'll have to give a tie between Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons. Uh, Tatum expected a big jump after his amazing playoffs last year, but only had a slight improvement in his raw numbers and was way less efficient. He definitely still has time to become the star that uh, a lot of people think that he's going to become, but I was expecting you know, more of a bigger jump this season. And Ben Simmons, uh, numbers are about the same, but I'm not really too concerned with that. That was pretty much expected with him losing usage to Jimmy Butler. However, his lack of improvement in his jumper is alarming. This might be his ceiling, what we're seeing right now. He can do everything else very well, but he can't shoot. If he gets that jump shot right, he's going to become you know a great player. But now I consider him a really good player. Just... My thing with Simmons is that you can do everything else very well. You can rebound, you can pass, you can drive to the rim, all that stuff. All you have to do is work on your jumper. And it just didn't look like he worked on it at all. So that's just really disappointing to me. Next up, my comeback player of the year goes to Derrick Rose. Rose showed some flashes of his MVP self this season with the Timberwolves mostly coming off the bench. It was really a feel-good story of the season. Now I'm aware that he didn't finish off the season due to injury with his elbow. But just seeing him showing off his former MVP self was worthy of him getting this award. Most notably, his 50-point game during the season against Utah. Most overrated player goes to Kyrie Irving. Now, I get Kyrie Irving's very talented, but they were 12-3 and without him last year, and they had a great playoff run with him being injured and out last year. They made it all the way to the conference finals and were one game away from making it to the NBA Finals. They move the ball better without him, and they play better defense when he's not on the court. Which is why, if he does leave in free agency, I don't really think it's the end of the world for the Boston Celtics. My most underrated player of the season, Danilo Gallinari. Uh, When you hear about the Clippers' success, he just really isn't one of the first guys mentioned. You hear about Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, deservedly so. You even hear about Patrick Beverly over Danilo Gallinari. Again, Patrick Beverly deserves a lot of credit. But Gallinari has been their most consistent player throughout the season, and his value was really shown when Tobias Harris was traded away. Because before that, a lot of people were saying that Tobias Harris was con- was really the best player in the Clippers, but after he got traded away, they really didn't miss a beat without him in that starting lineup, and Gallinari was a big part of that. And the whole season, he averaged 19.8 points per game and a very efficient 46% from the field and 43% from three. There was also this crazy stat that he... He's one of the league leaders in points per possession, which basically means when the ball gets in his hands, good things happen, whether it's him scoring, him dishing it off. Part of the reason he's uh, probably really good in that stat as well is because he's an amazing free throw shooter and he gets to the line consistently. Okay, now time for the actual NBA awards that will be handed out in the summer. My coach of the year is Mike Budenholzer. Now, there are a lot of great candidates for this. I'll, I'll even mention them just because they did such great jobs. Doc Rivers, Mike Malone. You also have Nate McMillan, who did a great job with the Pacers after they lost Victor Oladipo. You really can make an argument for any one of them. 
but Mike Budenholzer, he was the coach on the best team in the regular season. He gave them 16 more wins than they had last season under his watch. And really, Giannis and him really needed each other. When Budenholzer was in Atlanta and he got that team to the conference finals and they overachieved, he never really had that star player. Giannis is that. And Giannis, on the flip side, never really had a great coach. And now Mike Budenholzer comes in, and now Giannis is now poised for his first deep postseason run. My rookie of the year, I kind of revealed this earlier, Luka Doncic. Just an incredible rookie season. And if you look by the numbers, he actually had a better rookie season than LeBron. Now, I will give a mention to Trey Young. I will say, if Trey Young played like he did after the All-Star break all season, you really could make an argument that Trey Young could have won this award. But I'm going to lean on the side of Luka Doncic because he had a better all-around season. He was putting up numbers the whole season, whereas Trey Young really did did it for only about a 25-30 game stretch. Uh, my sixth man of the year, Lou Williams, really no debate here, averaging 20 points a game on a team that got to the playoffs. He now ha- has the most points off the bench in NBA history. He will most likely be, be winning this award for what will be now his third time. My most improved player of the year goes to D'Angelo Russell. Now, I know a lot of people will be going with Pascal Siakam with this, but to me, see, for me with most improved player, it's not really you getting more minutes. It's you taking the same opportunity that you had before and doing better in it than you did in previous years before. I'm aware of how much Siakam's numbers improve, but he's averaging 10 more minutes per game. Of course, you're going to score more, you're going to rebound more, and all that other stuff. Your raw numbers are going to be better. And that's not to say he didn't get better at all. I think Pascal Siakam's a, a good nominee for this award. But D'Angelo Russell really had the same circumstances that he had last year. Same coach, same system, really this, just about the same roster around him. And he did much better this season than he did last year. My defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Ruby Gobert. Had a, this is probably the one I had the most trouble with, but but I ended up going with Rudy Gobert. And just for a simple fact that pick and rolls are a big part in the NBA, and when you, you know, when guards get those switches on them bigs, the ones that guard in the perimeter, it's basically barbecue chicken, as Shaq would say. It's just easy points. Rudy Gobert is probably the best pick and roll big man in the league, and on top of that, he's great at being a rim protector as well, defending other centers and blocking shots in the paint. And last but definitely not least, my MVP pick will be James Harden. Now, if Harden had the same exact numbers of la- as last year or close to him, I would d- give it to Giannis no problem. He was the best player on the best team. No doubt he had an incredible year. However, I just have to go with James Harden on this one. If you gave him MVP last year and you don't give him MVP this season for playing better, it, that just doesn't make any sense to me. He literally averaged 36 points per game. That has That is almost unheard of. That hasn't been done since Michael Jordan did it in the 80s. Harden was just practically unguardable this year. There was just no answer for him. And early on in the season, Houston looked down and out. It just looked like that they weren't going to get back to their form of last season. They were 14th in the Western Conference. Chris Paul went out with an injury. Clint Capella missed time. But James Harden just took it to another level and got the Rockets back on top of the Western Conference. And they finished out being the fourth seed in a tough Western Conference. Now, I wouldn't be mad if Giannis got it. I mean, he had, like I said before, he had an incredible season too. It just wouldn't make sense not to give it to Harden. It'll be interesting to see uh, who gets all these awards. I'm going to say MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Most Improved are going to be the ones that people are split on. 
But I think it's a foregone conclusion that coach year will be Mike Budenholzer, rookie Luka Doncic, and sixth man will be Lil Williams. Now let's get to my thoughts on the big news in Lakerland. Magic Johnson stepped down as the team president of basketball operations. Magic had two years with the team. His big move, obviously, was signing LeBron James. Uh, I think this could be a good thing for the Lakers in the long run if they can get their organization together. The Magic, to me, was just an epic failure as a president of basketball operations, if you ask me. He made terrible trades. His roster construction about, around LeBron this year was terrible. If I was to ask you, name one good thing Magic did other than sign LeBron, you would you'd be hard-pressed to find it. And I said in one of my other podcasts that I felt he was the biggest reason why the Lakers failed this season. Another reason I think this is a good thing is that I just don't feel that Magic Johnson was truly invested. Now, here's an example. I was watching FS1, and Chris Broussard brought up about how Daryl Morey, he was talking to him, and Daryl Morey was just like, yeah, I'm in Spain trying to get this guy I drafted six years ago to finally come over next season and play for the Rockets. Magic Johnson didn't even go to the Final Four. Magic didn't want to do all the work, it just seemed, in my opinion. Magic Johnson figured, oh, I'm Magic Johnson, it's the Lakers, people are just going to come sign here, I got LeBron. That's just not the way it works. To me, Magic was just, he honestly should have just been hired to be the face of everything going on and had someone behind the scenes doing all the work, like doing things, going to Spain and trying to get guys to come over or scout in Spain or in Europe or wherever the heck it is, go to the Final Four. But Magic Johnson, being at this part of his life, he wasn't going to be a grinder. And to me, I felt he also quit because he saw things were going bad. If things were going good and he thought, oh, I can get someone like Clay Thompson or Kawhi Leonard to come with LeBron, he would have never quit because he because he want he would have wanted to stay there and showed, you know, I was the one that turned this around. When in reality, he pretty much dug them an even bigger hole, trading away a lot of their young players. The organization and for the Lakers right now is just truly a huge mess. If I was to pick who I would hire to be my new president of basketball operations, it would be David Griffin. David Griffin, as a lot of you may know, was a former GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He has experience building the team around LeBron before, and I feel he's a very smart basketball mind. Maybe he can help them get Kyrie Irving to go to the Lakers, and he can probably get Ty Lue as their head coach, kind of recreate what you had in Cleveland. I mean, I'm not sure if that's good enough to beat the Warriors, but it sounds a lot better than what they have right now. I, I, I say if they do that, they can they will definitely make the playoffs next season. And also, I got to say, LeBron, as of right now as I'm speaking, he has to regret signing with the Lakers, especially considering that he's on a four-year deal. If he knew that this was going to happen, Magic was going to quit, they were going to miss the playoffs, all this other stuff going on, he would have never went there. Speaking of another team going through some organizational changes right now, Dave Yeager was fired as Kings coach after three seasons with the team. I'd have to, I have to say, this is just a really terrible decision. It just shows why the Kings are the Kings, why bad teams always just stay bad. I just don't get this move at all. He improved their record from 12 games from the season before. He's shown consistent improvement you know, ever since he's been there. This was their best record since 2006. I just think this will really set the team back. When you have a young team developing and you have you know, them developing well, you don't fire the coach. I'm just flabbergasted by this. I'm just at a loss for words. I just don't understand this move at all. 
and they're talking about hiring Luke Walton to be the replacement for Dave Yeager, which I it just just makes it even more puzzling for me. Yeah, let's put Dave Yeager. I mean, excuse me, Luke Walton, who's on a more talented team in L.A., who actually did worse than the Kings this last season, and let's just get him. The only thing I can think of is that Jaeger, it just seems to be really hard to work with. There were some circumstances revolving around his exit with Memphis, where I also thought he did a good job there as well. There was rumors of stuff happening behind the scenes. Is that an indictment on Jaeger, or is that just on the terrible organizations that he was a part of? Memphis goes through coaches like it's nothing, and same thing with Sacramento. So it'll be interesting to see. If I'm a team and I'm looking for a coach... I would give Dave Yeager a very hard look. I would, if I'm Chicago or I'm Phoenix, I would fire the guy I have already in place. If I'm Chicago, I fire Boylan. I, if I'm the Suns, I fire Igor, and I would hire Dave Yeager. They both have young teams are on the rise. Dave Yeager's proven that he can develop a young team. To me, given his track record, he is the best coach available right now. And what upsets me is that this Sacramento team is really fun to watch. I was really rooting for them to finally have a good product on the floor. They have great fans there. De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, an exciting backcourt to watch. Got a lot of good young players. I just feel that these are the type of moves that keep setting this franchise back. I would like to thank everyone that listened to this podcast. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Uh, Interact on uh, Facebook or any social media platform that you may see this on. Uh, Leave some comments. I always like to see comments. Tell me what you think about everything that I said, where you agree with me, disagree with me. I will be having an episode also uploading tomorrow where I'm going to give my preview of the NBA playoffs. Until that, it's your boy Johnny Clutch. Peace out.